Step one is to recognize the transportation supply chain industry as an integral part of our society today. My name is Chris Joslin. Join me for another edition of Jaws Bites. Chris Johnson show. Uh, we've titled this uh, Jaws Bites, part of the Road Scholar um, initiative program that we've put together, sponsored by and supported by iLevelLogistics.com. Right across your screen here, iLevelLogistics.com, a place you can go to for aggregated news items specific to the transportation industry, not just for large companies to look at with informatics and, and graphs and all that kind of thing, but also for peace of mind for the small business owner, someplace you can go and, and delve into our daily on a regular basis, subscribe both on YouTube or right on the site itself, and be part of the conversation. And that's really one of the goals. This podcast tonight is titled, um, Step One is Recognition. And the, the goal really of this is to kind of start to have a conversation around mainstreaming um, supply chain transportation logistics in general. It, it's a broad subject with a lot of detail, a lot of granular information. The, 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 the term supply chain itself is a fantastic one as far as I'm concerned because it really illustrates the, the conduit or the connections between pieces of a very, very long chain of information personnel, infrastructure, etc., which we'll talk about in the next 15 minutes or so tonight. I, I'm trying to make these kind of bite-sized, all of the, the name Jaws Bites, um, on a regular basis because over the course of my nearly 30-year career in this business, I could pontificate all day long about international harmonics and less than truckload, full truckload, railroad, boxcar, barge, planes, trains, and automobiles. I could go on for a long time about all the kinds of things that I've learned over the course of time, and that would be talking to the industry itself. Uh, an industry that's growing, it's becoming younger, it's becoming more tech-driven and data-driven, but also one that has a handle on some of the um, vernacular that the transportation world, supply chain world has. This, my goal is in part to help mainstream that, to give people an idea of what transportation logistics is really all about and why it's so important to the elements of our society today. Without without it, uh, well, I was going to say you wouldn't get the toilet paper at your store, but over the course of the last year, a lot of you didn't have that available to you for for other reasons, which we could talk about and take a full podcast to, to go over. But again, my goal tonight is to try to, to um, develop... A, the start of a series of podcasts designed to give everyone a better feel for the simplistic part of transportation, the kind of the elements around it that make it go, but also the importance of it to anyone in our society today in the daily lives we have. And, you know, to do that, I would, I would challenge you to think about your own lives and some of the things that 
you would go to the store to get or some part of maybe you've been in a retail job in the past. I, I Before I was in transportation logistics, I was at a retail store in um, Phoenix, Arizona, where I went to grad school at ASU. Go Devils. Uh, sorry for everyone else. But anyway, um, I was at that retail store, and even part of being a sales team selling electronics at the time, PS1 computers and VCRs and things like that, if that gives you an idea of how old I am, I, I really didn't have a feel for why things came in when they did, how they even got there. You know, usually I was upset when something was late because I had a customer that was waiting for their, you know, brand new, name that brand, uh, VCR, television, console, whatever I was trying to uh, help them out the door with and uh, service them in that way. And it wasn't until I, I moved into the transportation field that I really understood the dynamics of, of all that. It, but, but that's kind of what, kind of what you, what I'm, my goal is to help you understand today is that whether you're talking about a, a farmer growing something in the field and getting that product, whatever it is, when, when they're uh, reaping the reward of that, that crop that year out to market, whether it's a bushel of corn or, or whether it's a product manufactured. You know, there's, there's this, this line that's developed, this supply chain line. Now, you can start from ground to recycled if you want to go that far. But for the purposes of tonight, we'll talk about the distribution line in terms of, of manufacture to consumer. So on one end of the spectrum, you have somebody making something. It could be, you know, something you have in your hand. It could be, you know, as simple as a pen, for instance. You have a manufacturer making a pen for some small cents on the dollar. And you have a consumer on the other end of this distribution cycle, or distribution chain, excuse me, that is going into a store and purchasing that pen for, let's say, a buck. Now, all of us know when we go into that store that the pen we're purchasing for a dollar is only valued at that because the retail store in which we're purchasing it at has priced it that way. And they've priced it that way because the manufacturer makes it for a tiny cents on the dollar and then these, there's all these links in the distribution chain to get it to the store so that you and I can go in and purchase that, right? It's pretty simple. There's a lot of links to the chain. You know, we could talk about, you know, uh, ships coming over from China filled with giant 40 and 20 foot containers full of, of random merchandise that that you could find in any Walmart or see on any Amazon uh, website today. It could be trains moving something from one part of the country to another through the rail distribution uh, network that was created back in the 1800s and developed into the unbelievable class one railroad system we have today. It could be you know, full trucks going down the road, most of which you probably only think about in terms of, uh, you know, that truck that was in front of me that flew that rock up and cracked my windshield about three weeks ago, which is going to cost me an arm and a leg, unless you turn space for it. Hopefully you do. Um, but, or, I mean, whether it's cargo on a plane, you know, barges going down a river and through the, the you know, different channels that you can do, whether it's uh, sprinter vans taking a pallet of merchandise from one place to another across the country because it needs to be ex expedited or 
Heck, it's, it could be drones in the near future, as we've probably heard and discussed on with the Amazon has developed that, that process and looking to develop it. It could be as simple as USPS delivering a piece of mail or a package to your door or to your, to your local P.O. box. All of those are parts of the links in that chain from manufacturer to consumer. You know, things go through a distribution center, replenishment supply, maybe a pick and pack, store door delivery, package to your door, whatever the case may be, there's a value that is created through that supply chain. My job today is not to break down each of those pieces and show you the value in them, though I think that may be a nice construct for further jaws bites in the future as part of this Road Scholar program. Uh, but it, my job today is, is really just to kind of open some eyes and, you know, show the distribution channels for what they are. You know, they're, they're kind of the way I look at it. There's, you know, there's, you can look at a supply chain and see as many links to that chain as is the, the detail and difficulty of that supply. If you're talking about something in, in today's world like the COVID vaccine getting to not just from the manufacturer plant in, say, Portage, Michigan, to San Diego, California, where I happen to be today. There's that. There's a whole stream of events that have to occur to get that there. It's very technical, and it's even part of what we call a cold supply chain, or cold chain uh, distribution. So there's a lot of technology, a lot of physical elements that go into that kind of thing. But ultimately, as detailed as those supply chains can get, there are, in my opinion, three primary collaborative elements to a supply chain to give it that initial impetus for success. And those three things are the following. Financial capital, we'll get into that in just a second. Technological capital, which is something that is both current and future technologies because that's changing very rapidly. And possibly the most important of all those elements, though I don't really want to grade them, but it's personal capital, and I'll get into that in just a second. But the reason for bringing that up is because the first thing that needs to happen for the consciousness of a group, in this case, the, the, the wider expanse of consumers in the, in the United States and in this nation, is to, again, recognize these things. So knowing is a key element to the whole thing. So, first of all, financial capital. What I'm talking about in the instance of, of this conversation today is really the physical infrastructure designed for transportation logistics supply chain. Now, from a 10,000-foot view, that infrastructure is really put together by a combination of both uh, a partnership, if you will, between both public and private entities. There are parts of an infrastructure that needs to be developed by private money. You know, a warehouse, a truck line that's developed, a, a, um, a supply chain element, element local to a harbor or a railhead or something like that. And then there's, then there's the larger local, state, and federal um, input into that infrastructure, which you'll, I mean, today they're talking about things at the, at the, in Washington about, um, an infrastructure bill going through Congress. Long overdue. And part of the design of that would be to upkeep the national road and rail infrastructure. And as rail is 
primarily a private thing, though it's subsidized by government and different elements as well. But the the road infrastructure in the United States, bridges, things like that, um, needs to be upgraded. You know, the United States has a an old and distinct and very robust infrastructure in the United States for transportation logistics, but it's also beginning to get antiquated. And if we want to keep up with all the other elements that I'll be talking about in this series, then we have to have an infrastructure that's sound. Now, it's just not on the local level. It's just not with private equity going in and, and creating dock high scenarios or the new Amazon building or anything like that. Those are all parts of what I'm talking about. It's also the larger societal infrastructure that goes on. That's, that's why it's always important to recognize in, in anything from academia to transportation like we're talking about, there's always a public element to allowing private dollars to accomplish what they need to accomplish. And it's it's silly to think otherwise than that. It's it's being out of touch with the integration of these these elements. So that's that's the one thing. I mean, you've got to have those roads. You've got to have those rails in place. You've got to have bridge laws. You know, the uh, dictating the amount of of lading, that's cargo that that can be put into a truck, and the overall weights of those trucks from place to place, so that the infrastructure doesn't wear out too early and I mean I've heard a lot of people talking about putting trucks in in multi-tandems in different states and hooking up two you know uh, two trucks to each other and hauling them across different lands all that stuff is is very interesting and can change and each state has different laws and certifications and regulations um, adopted to make sure and monitor what transportation providers do from place to place. But ultimately, the goal in mind is to mitigate problems, to lower the potential for accidents, lower the, the, the usage of insurance and lawsuits and things that can come about when, when bad things happen, because bad things do happen all the time. And to, to keep things going in, in as fluid as possible. Uh, we've seen just recently some incredible winter weather that is taking virtual capacity, real capacity, out of the, the transportation infrastructure in the United States and really impacting, and, and it's, it's the accordion effect is what they call it. Everything some kind of slows down and everything behind it. Everybody's seen that on the highway if you've traveled at all. That can happen from a virtual aspect both on rails and roads as well and has happened because of the, some of the winter weather that's gone on. So all these infrastructural things are very important. They can't account for all the crazy things that can happen out there between floods and you know weather patterns and and uh, fires out west here and all those kinds of things. But it does help to keep things as fluid as possible. So the second element of those three is technological capital. Now technological capital, both current and future, is what I'm talking about is the systems that make things work. It's kind of the behind the the scenes, transportation management systems, TMSs, that put structure and communicate with each other across multi-faceted um, types of transportation. In, in legal terms, you think about this stuff in terms of chain of custody. You know, you have an element in a lawsuit or a case or some, somebody that's investigating, a detective that's investigating something, then there's this chain of custody that has to occur. Whether they're talking about a person 
in the chain of custody they go through or they're talking about an element in that uh, investigation or in our case an element in the the information flow that goes along from the manufacturer to the consumer that we talked about when you walk into a store or in usually this case you're buying something online and you get a receipt for something that's documenting right back up the supply chain every element of that purchase that happened prior to that all the way up into the point that that item whatever it was that you purchased was manufactured so there's a chain of custody as occur and there's technologies coming out with with um, uh, blockchain technology and everything that's, that's that's looking to make that very very much more secure because part of the cost of goods today is uh, impacted greatly by the ability of online hackers and things like that to get information both about you what you're trying to buy and what manufacturers are doing to, to roll out things so technology is extremely important years ago enterprise resource programs ERPs were put into place for manufacturing elements to try to make things more and more efficient for them and drive costs out of their particular processes within a manufacturer. Now that kind of application of technology is really starting to take hold through you know artificial intelligence and automation which are sort of two of the same like opposing pieces, not opposing but pieces of the same puzzle you know, automation in a way is artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is just kind of a, uh, an outgrowth of automation. So people that think artificial intelligence is not in, um, not fully in cars and trucks and things like that are, are not looking at the fact that many, many things you do today are, are quite automated. And that's kind of the lower end of, of artificial intelligence. And today, really big data application of big data in managing that data in looking for pattern recognition in forecasting tools is allowing the transportation supply chain industry to try to look at those supply chains and look at where the links are a little bit loose and start to tighten those up with efficiencies generated from those technologies hugely important and probably worth an entire podcast or five later on but we won't go down that road today but what we will do is we'll talk about that third element, which is personal capital. And I'm using that as a descriptor for really what I call high touch. You know, the technological capital is high tech. The personal capital is high touch. And in the transportation industry, you don't have automation up to a degree where it can take the human element out of it. I don't know if it ever will entirely. I even think that when drivers somewhere in the future when there's a whole bunch of you know automated vehicles running down the road between here and Phoenix for instance there will still probably be a pilot aboard now I don't know I can't predict the future any better than the next person there's a lot of people that are out there designing things that that are going to be amazing to all of us but the fact is is that the high touch part of our industry is the one that probably gets the least recognition is not well understood and frankly not noticed and it's one of the main reasons I wanted to have this particular discussion tonight today uh, because I think it is incumbent upon us as the as the public consumer group 
that sees these products coming in and recognizes that we have the ability to go into a store and get what we need or what we want, or we can go online and have something sent to us that we need or want in very expedited fashion, has a whole lot to do with the other two elements, the financial capital or infrastructure that's put in place to allow those things to flow physically from wherever they're at to where you're at, the technological capital that allows the information flow, the the full truckload bill of lading, the less than truckload consolidated pallet that's going from there to a pick and pack distribution center who then turns around and creates a, a um, delivery receipt for that one item that you purchased off the internet. Those are all very important, but the, the, the conduit in between, physically getting from point A to point B, still demands that there are people involved. Now those people might be people that are behind a computer somewhere coordinating tenders to truckers and uh, filing transportation reports for the underlying manufacturers and uh, curating and collating the information that's in the transportation management systems. But also on top of that, you have somebody behind a wheel somewhere, whether it's in a van, it's in a USPS truck, whether it's in a you know, a, a, a pilot in a plane or whether it's in a guy in a full, full truck in front of you on the highway. That, those are people. Those are people making a, a, a living trying to do something that allows us to live the way we do. You know, I, I remember back when I was growing up in southern Michigan, there were you know, everybody would talk about the West Coast and there were things that, that you could only buy if you went on vacation out to the Rockies or the West Coast and they weren't available back in Michigan. And I'm sure the other way around was true as well. And it's certainly true for all over the world. There, the, the, the only reason that we are able to um, have access to and see all these wonderful things from all over the world is because of transportation supply chain elements that we kind of don't even think about. So ultimately, to try to wrap this up, the, my, my philosophy and my discussion today is really about the importance of knowing. You know, that's, that's kind of the first step. If you don't know these things are going on, and if you don't know there's something that's happening and these elements are involved to make them happen, then you don't have any recognition of these things. And that's, that's my goal here. I, I you want to broaden our reach to people. I want people to be able to look at this that are outside the business that I'm in today and understand that there is a normalcy to what is happening. And there's, there's all kinds of details and things behind it that no one will ever need to know. But if you know that there's infrastructure in place, that there's technologies that are getting better all the time, and that there are person, people, uh, behind the elements that are driving products and services to be made available to you and I, the consuming public, then we have the ability to start measuring the effect of that on our lives and recognizing it for what it is. And I, I don't know if it's uh, some kind of magic or not, but once you know something and you can start to, to kind of track it, if you will, and understand that it's there in place, things tend to get better and better and better. And I, I started in the transportation industry in 1992, and again, almost 30 years ago. 
And over that period of time, there's some things that have never changed. Those three elements that I've talked about earlier have never changed. And there's some things that have changed hugely and dramatically in the way we interface with each other, in the way we interface with our transportation providers, in the way we're able to get our hands on nearly anything we want at any time, is really due to supply chain and making it better as you go. And if we all realize that, we'll all continue to make it better as we go along. Now again, I, I, I want you to try to join, send me, I get text messages, I get information all the time uh, through our website, ilovelogistics.com, and uh, I, I'll answer whatever I can. I would love you guys to be a part of this, this um, discussion. Go ahead and subscribe on the YouTube channel or subscribe at our website. Uh, we're on LinkedIn and Facebook and you know uh, Twitter and all that kind of stuff, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. So please feel free to jump in and help us guide this ship. Help us develop this into something where um, we can really talk from a mainstream level about all these things. Take care and have a great night. <laughs>